Hello out there, science nerds. You're listening to Evolving with Mr. V, a weekly podcast that covers the week that was in AP Dual Biology and much more. I am your host, Mr. Oscar Velasquez, your master of the biological arts, and this is officially episode 12, week 12 of the 2019-2020 school year. In this week's podcast, we will recap the week of November 4th through November 8th in AP Dual Biology and look forward to the coming week as well. Spoilers, quiz on Tuesday. In this week's second segment, I'll go through a quick rundown of biology in the news, highlighting the biggest headlines making waves in the biology world today. And in our final segment, we go deep, deep into Mr. V's inner thoughts, where I will share with you three changes I would make at Johnson High School to make it a more efficient and enjoyable experience for all. Now, before we begin, it's that time again to hear from this week's sponsor in a segment I call Mr. V Needs to Pay the Mortgage on His House. This episode is brought to you by Yeast. Hey, are you feeling that you just can't rise to the occasion lately? Are your levels of H2O2 just getting a bit too high and starting to impair your better judgment, like constantly wearing socks with Crocs and thinking, yeah, I think I look pretty good? Well, start to change your life with yeast. Yes, that fungus among us, yeast, can make you rise to any occasion, even finishing that NHS application and turning it on time. Yup, yeast will guarantee to break up the harshest of H2O2 compounds that are making your life and choices toxic to safe H2O and oxygen, making your cells and life a fungus-full experience. So make it a yeast day whenever you need to rise to the occasion. And we're back. So let's go ahead and hit the rewind button and go back, all the way back to Monday. On Monday, we started class by reviewing how enzymes work. You know, how our biological catalysts lower that activation energy of reactions happening in our cells. After our quick review, we launched into finishing the toothpicase enzyme simulation by completing trials three and four, where in trial three, we simulated a competitive inhibitor in the environment by using a tennis ball taped into the student's palm, their active site, and then observed how well they catabolized the toothpicks. And let's just say, not so well, but quite enjoyable to watch. In trial four, we threw a coenzyme into the environment by a fellow student simulating the coenzyme and assisting the enzyme catabolizing the toothpick substrate. And that reaction rocketed for a while, but started to slow down near the end due to the substrate becoming that limiting factor. After collecting the data, students worked on creating a line graph of their data and calculating reaction rates, the overall initial and final reaction rates of each trial. And this brought an end to our Monday. On to Tuesday, where we started class by recapping, discussing, and turning in the Toothpick Ace Enzyme Simulation Lab. And then it was quiz time. Yup, metabolism and enzyme quiz, where students had 12 minutes to demonstrate proficient to expert level knowledge on enzymes and metabolism. After the quiz, students ended the class by going into a self-discovery journey of induced fit model and feedback inhibition concepts using a guided question handout with a fun enzyme word search on the back. And that ended our Tuesday. Moving on to Wednesday, 
where we started class by performing the pre-lab for our catalase enzyme action lab, where students got familiar with the probeware, a gas pressure probe, and the Logger Pro software to run the lab. We also did a dry slash pretend run to ensure students had a good handle for tomorrow's lab. After the pre-lab, we started our journey into chapter 10, photosynthesis, where I proposed a question to gauge if students truly have a good understanding of photosynthesis. I propose if we start with a seed like an acorn that weighs pretty much nothing and then plant it and come back 20 years later and find a tree, a giant oak tree that weighs over thousands of pounds, well, where does all that mass come from? Students filled in a word bubble map with their ideas of where this mass possibly comes from. We then shared our thoughts on the board with various ideas ranging from sunlight, soil, water, cellulose, sugar, CO2, and dead organic material, with the answer actually being CO2 with most classes sharing that idea. So it's a good start with several students knowing that CO2 in the air ends up making the majority of the mass of a tree or plant, serving as that carbon skeleton for all their organic molecules. We ended the class by defining photosynthesis and discussing how it is just half of the huge energy cycle or the circle of life. How energy for our planet begins with the sun and plants being the first organisms able to use that energy and transform it into delicious glucose, ATP, and oxygen, which is then used by all living organisms for the other half of the cycle called cell respiration, using the glucose and oxygen given by photosynthesis and converted it into a whole lot of ATP, CO2, and water, which are the reactants of photosynthesis starting the cycle again or circle of life. And this discussion brought our Wednesday to a close. On to Thursday, which was closed toe chew day because it was lab day. Students executed an enzyme concentration catalase action investigation using yeast catalase acting on hydrogen peroxide substrate. Morning classes used 10, 15, and 20 drops of yeast enzyme concentration, and whoa, those reactions were fast, with 15 and 20 drops reaching 150 kilopascals pressure in about a minute. So my afternoon classes made a small adjustment to 5, 10, and 15 drops of enzyme concentration, and having reactions at 10 and 15 drops lasting at least 2 minutes before reaching that 150 kilopascals and having to release the pressure. Students recorded the rates of the overall reactions along with initial and final reaction rates as well. After the lab, we use any leftover time to continue our journey into photosynthesis notes, and that wrapped up our Thursday. Finally, Friday arrives, and it arrives with a chill, with a cold front blowing in. But that doesn't stop us from crushing our biology day. We start with an adjustment. Instead of part two of the Catalase Enzyme Action Lab, we start off by students getting back their quizzes over metabolism and enzymes. Students used about six to eight minutes to review and correct their quizzes with their fellow colleagues, with some students needing to go back and review chapter eight due to that low quiz grade. Well, 
I guess there's no place to go but up when it comes to some of these quiz grades. Next, students had the time to review the cell exam. Students had about 10 to 13 minutes to go over their recent cell exam multiple choice and possibly challenge any questions they thought were unfair. But for this exam, I think all questions were fair. After reviewing the cell exam, students got into their previous day's lab groups and discussed part two of the Catalase Enzyme Action Lab. Student groups had to decide which environment or variable their group was going to change for the investigation. Lab groups could choose to change pH of the environment, acid, base, neutral, temperature of the environment, hot, cold, room, the salinity of the environment, high, low, and no concentration, or possibly inhibitors or activators like ether alcohol, and isopropyl alcohol. Students could also instead test different types of catalase or peroxidase enzyme from different sources and compare it to yeast, like carrot, potato, and a mystery source. Lab groups agreed on one of these environments they were going to change and created a table to record the data. And this just in, alert, closed-toed shoes needed for Monday. We finished our Friday by continuing our discussion over photosynthesis, focusing on the types of feeders and how they fit into the energy cycle. So let's recap those here. First up, autotrophs, aka producers. These are organisms that can make their own organic molecules, usually using the sun. They're primarily photosynthesizers, organisms that use light to help them convert CO2 and water into glucose and oxygen. Now, when it comes to autotrophs, there are two types. Most of them, about 99.9% .9 are photoautotrophs. You know, these are autotrophs that use light as their primary energy source. But there are also chemoautotrophs that do not use light. They usually live in areas that light never reaches. So what they use is inorganic molecules. They're able to oxidize inorganic molecules like sulfur or ammonia, strip those high energy electrons, and use that that as their primary energy source to help them make their organic molecules. Next up, heterotrophs, aka consumers. These are organisms that need to go out there and consume, eat other organisms to get their organic material. They will be using the process of respiration to unlock that energy in the substances they're eating. Now, there are different types of heterotrophs. You know, there's some heterotrophs that just feed on plant life that we call herbivores. There are other heterotrophs that feast on just animals called carnivores. There's those that eat both plants and animals that we call omnivores. And then there's those heterotrophs that feed on dead organic matter we call decomposers like bacteria and fungi. Next, we looked at what it means to be a plant, our main photosynthesizer, where a plant needs light and then be able to convert that light to a usable form of ATP, but then have to convert that to a stable form of glucose with the reactants of CO2 and water so it can move it around and, you know, store that glucose for those rainy days. But it also needs other nutrients like phosphorus, sulfur, nitrogen, magnesium, iron to make all other organic molecules, not just carbs. And with that, it concluded our week in AP Dual Credit Biology.
And now for our next segment, Biology in the News, where I highlight the latest headlines in biology research happening today. Our first headline, a heart-wrenching study shows that negative reinforcement like yelling can have a long-term effect on your dog. A recent study showed that adversive training like punishment and negative reinforcement on companion dogs had poorer welfare and even long-term mental negative effects. I guess it's time to reevaluate my reinforcement tactics in my classroom. Note to self, include more yelling and more shade on students. Our next headline, a thirsty future ahead as climate change explodes plant growth. A recent study predicts by the end of the century, plants could consume substantially more water, leaving less for people across North America, Europe, and Central Asia. Even if it rains and snows more, this study reports from the Journal of Natural Geoscience. You see, plants are the primary regulators of the water cycle, responsible for 60% of the flow of water from land to the atmosphere. Research now shows how climate change is altering this vital cycle in different ways and making plants more stingy with their water consumption. So, start piling up those gallons of distilled water. I know I've already gotten started thanks to you guys. And our final headline human heart cells altered in space. Human heart cells are changed due to space flight, but they mostly return to normal after the cells return to Earth, according to findings published in stem cell reports. Researchers created heart muscle cells from the blood of three healthy people and then sent those cells to the International Space Station for nearly six weeks, finding differences in the expression of 3,000 genes, 2,000 of which returned to normal on Earth. So wait, what about the other 1,000 genes? Well, hopefully nothing too negative happens with that gene expression like causing your heart to grow an extra valve or chamber. And that is just some of the headlines making waves in the world of biology today. And now to our final segment, Mr. V's Deep Inner Thoughts, where this week I share with you my top three changes I would make in a perfect world to Johnson High School for a more efficient, enjoyable experience. Change number one, a four-day school week for students, where students would attend school Monday through Thursday, and then Friday would be their day to participate in all those extracurricular activities that cause them to be absent on Friday, like band, football, swimming, cross-country, tennis, etc., Now, teachers would still be at school on Friday, but for half the day, it would be an extra enrichment time for students who need extra help or just want that extra time for deeper enrichment of their content. This open Friday could also be time for clubs and organizations to have their meetings and even have volunteer service hours opportunities for their students. So that would be my number one change to possibly improve Johnson High School. Coming in at number two, now this change would be controversial, but I would ban socks with Crocs. Yup, just just stop it. You look ridiculous. Yes, I know that you shouldn't really care about what people think of you, but you look like a clown. So I would ban looking like a clown and ban socks with Crocs. 
And my final change would be mandatory bow tie Wednesdays. Why Wednesdays? I don't know. But all students must wear bow ties and look like a baller on Wednesday. Plus, their entire lunch period would be unplugged. That's right, no electronic devices. They must socialize with their colleagues and discuss topics possibly given to them by Mr. V himself, like discussing their top five Marvel movies or how we can, as a society, possibly get rid of High School Musical, the movie, and have it never air again. Maybe possibly have live music to listen to or jam out to during the lunch hour as well. Well, that's my three ideas on how to change Johnson for the better. Now, before we end the podcast, some reminders. Remember, close toed shoes for Monday, part two of our Catalase Enzyme Action Lab will be on Monday, so remember to bring those close toed shoes. Also, another reminder quiz on Tuesday. Here are some hints for the quiz study induce fit model and how it compares to the lock and key model. Make sure you go back and study feedback inhibition as well. Remember the toothpick A simulation lab and the results and how to calculate reaction rates. And one last hint, photosynthesis. Not much of a hint, but study that last note outline over photosynthesis. Also, remember this podcast. I might increase the number of questions of the podcast to maybe two questions. Well, that brings us to an end of episode 12, week 12 of Evolving with Mr. V. I hope you found this podcast informative and somewhat entertaining. I want to thank Free Music Archive and Sound Bible for the music and sound effects on the podcast. This podcast was written, produced, and directed by Velasquez Productions. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast on your podcast listening platform. Your comments can go a long way in possibly shaping the future of this podcast. Well, this is your host, Mr. Oscar Velasquez, signing off your Master of the Biological Arts and reminding you to please, please, for your professor's sake, make sure that you study for the upcoming quiz. Quiz on Tuesday. The next motel.